Welcome into the bad fan. Liverpool's Premier League slide continues. The Champions League round of 16 is set. And the World Series is coming to a close as we speak. Who will come out on top, the Astros or the Phillies? All this today on The Bad Fan. Your journey begins right now. Well, welcome into The Bad Fan. I'm your host, Cole Carter, and we are glad to have you alongside us today. As you can see, I've got my friends here, Brandon Paisnick and Stephen Curl. They're going to help us break everything down today that we mentioned in the intro. Steven, glad to have you back, Brandon. It's good to see you. But guys, how's your week been so far? What's going on in life? We've all actually, I should want to mention real quick. This is the first time the three of us have been on screen since we've all gotten haircuts. Steven lopped his all off. Cut mine a mm-hmm. bit. Brandon's got a fresh cut. We looking good? Yeah. Let us know in the comments, maybe. But uh, <laughs> oh I'll start with you. How are you doing this week, man? Oh, I'm doing good. Um, I had a little bit of like a little allergy. Uh, giving me some trouble the past couple weeks so um coming off of that so feeling better watching the world series watching champions league um yeah just catching up on the sports come on brandon (sighs) i wish my life was that fun i haven't been able to watch any champions league during the week past two weeks i know it's you know i'm working i'm a working man i pay attention at work and i do my job no um it sucks to be honest but um should just be a barista you're off at 12. (laughs) maybe i should go back to doing that (laughs) no but i'm good i'm happy um some weird news came out about joseph martinez which i don't think we're gonna get into but we might need to talk about it at some point um but yeah, I'm I'm doing well. My my lady friend's coming up this weekend, so I'm really excited. Oh, congratulations! That'll be your oh, sister. Yeah. yeah, yeah, my my sister and and Jesus. Nice. <laughs> wow. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Our bad fan journey is going to begin with the Major League Baseball World Series. As we're speaking right now, it is Game Five. The Astros just took the lead, but. As we speak, it's still tied to two, um, but as it plays out, we may give you an update later on the broadcast. Um, but Stephen, you want to fill us in on the World Series so far and catch us up for the people that are listening and watching? <clears throat> yes, absolutely. If you know me, you know I love baseball more than life itself. Uh, just like Danny Rojas says, football is life. Well, baseball is life here on the Bad Fan. Um, series is tied at 2-2. Let's figure out how we got there. Like Cole said, we got game five going on right now. Uh, we'll give you guys some live updates. I got it going on right here in front of me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's break down game one. Kyle Tucker hit two home runs. His two dingers are not enough as Philly come back in dramatic fashion from five to nothing in game one of the World Series to win it. They go on to win it in extra innings, actually six to five. Uh, with JT Real Muto hitting an Apo Taco home run um, to put them ahead in, in the 11th inning, I believe, and they hold on to win. Justin Verlander and Aaron Nola both giving up five earned runs apiece. Wow. If you're an ace, that's not what you want to do. Um, yes, yeah, so Philly win game one in dramatic fashion. Game two, Houston has a response, and its name is Framber Valdez. Uh, Framber Valdez goes on to the bump. And goes six and a third innings, just one earned run with nine strikeouts with Montero and Presley coming up at the back end of that Astros bullpen, shutting the door, uh, winning the game five to two. 
Um, yeah, Valdez only giving up one earned run. They uh, also gave up an unearned run on an error. But yeah, so the Astros respond with winning game two. Phillies come out in game three just absolutely – if you're a Phillies fan at Citizen Bank Ballpark in this game, it's probably the best game you've ever seen in your life. Uh, <laughs> seven to zero, Phillies hit, I think, five home runs. Harper, Alec Bohm, Brandon Marsh, Kyle Schwarber, and Reese Hoskins all go yard off of one pitcher. The saddest man in the group, Lance McCullers, gives up every single home run. There was a talk on the broadcast, uh, John Smoltz, of maybe McCullers was tipping his pitches, but it kind of seemed like a pitcher giving an excuse for a pitcher that was just, you could just feel bad for that guy over in Philadelphia. You're a loneliest man on the field in that moment. Um, but yeah, giving up all those home runs. So the Phillies come out and win game three. And at this point, it's advantage Philly. They're at home. Philadelphia has not lost a home playoff game yet this season. And then the Astros do something that hasn't been done since 1956, <laughs> doing a team combined no hitter. That is insane. Incredible. Time, I can't believe that. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, yes, the Astros throw no hitter first time since 1956 uh, by your household name. Of course, Don Larson of the 1956 New York Yankees. Uh, he actually threw a perfect game in that World Series against wow. the Brooklyn Dodgers. Um, a little fun <laughs> fact to timestamp this uh, to timestamp this event to tell you how rare it is and the last time it's happened. 1956, the Brooklyn Dodgers were comprised of players like Sandy Koufax, Pee Wee Reese. Don Zimmer and Jackie Robinson. Don Larson spending a perfect game against those baseball greats. Uh, the New York Yankees would go on to win that perfect game, obviously, with Mickey Mantle hitting a two-run home run. Another name. I don't know if you've heard it before. <laughs> um, so that's pretty crazy. Um, it's a piece of history, and the Phillies were on the wrong side of it just after hitting five home runs the night before winning seven to zero. So that's baseball. That's crazy. Um, so anyways, Christian Javier, let's highlight the starting pitcher on that day. Uh, comprised. He literally goes six innings, nine strikeouts, no earned runs. I think he just had two walks. And then after that, Brian Abreu from the Astros bullpen strikes out the side right after six, no hit innings. And then Presley and Montero, close out the game shut so down. shut it down man and this Crazy. is the Astros. this is the astros they have these weapons in the back end of their bullpen and at the front end of the games and they're starting pitching um so that's where we finished right there that's two two um pretty dramatic games philly's winning it in extras in houston pretty wild and then getting absolutely dominated at home um couple takeaways from this series is I mentioned it uh, at the top end. Justin Verlander and Aaron Nola have been kind of underwhelming. Um, as of right now, Verlander's pitching a pretty good game. But Aaron Nola has given up eight earned runs and eight and a third innings and comprised of two starts. That's not very good. Um, Philly's kind of had this team of destiny thing going on right now. Uh but, you know, they can't really afford poor starting pitching. The Astros can. They have the better team, better starting pitching, better relief pitching. Ugh. 
It's been a wild series. It's been a very good World Series. Everything I'd honestly hope for. You have the Goliath. You have the David. And it's. I think the series is going to go seven. Have you guys been watching? What are y'all's takeaways? What do you? Who do you got winning this? The series was such a sticking point for me because I was like, the which is the better of two evils I can support. And the best conclusion I could just come to was that the NL East can beat the Astros again. The Nationals already did it. The Braves already did it. Now it's the Phillies' turn if they want to do it. And that was this conclusion I came to. Is I'm going to root for the Phillies because I want to see the Astros lose once again in the World Series to an NLS team, NL East team. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the no-hitter, I only watched brief portions of it. That was an incredible one. Yeah, the 7-0 uh, bashing of Lance McCullers. That's crazy. Crazy. Um, I've been watching tonight as well, and it's been – yeah, Justin Verlander's looked pretty good. Um, he gave the one home run to Schwarber, who, again, just is so good at mashing. Um, yeah. But it's been a good World Series. It's really like it's giving you everything you want. You get the blowout win. You get the incredibly close games. You get history, literally, um, and extra innings. So it's literally – it's delivered – um you know two popular teams and um yeah i have no complaints about this fall classic this year yeah these are two teams that neither of us chose to be in the world series i don't think um which you know the astros you could see making it but the phillies it's just wow right pretty pretty much a cinderella story and they've had a good run towards the end of the season cole what were you gonna say i was gonna say they were the third team that people would have guessed yeah. to come out of the east yeah, and, and they did. The and the Mets they, were projected to go first. Right, and then they beat the Braves, defending world champs, and just have been on an incredible run up until this point. And this game will probably go seven from from the from what it seems like. Um, also, one thing from, from the game yesterday, which was the no-hitter game, um, the Astros, it just sort of shows what they're capable of. And not that the Phillies oh, yeah. aren't, but I think they scored five runs in one inning, and that j- – and that and I think it was in the middle of the game. And that just sort of like shuts the game down, right? Their pitching is on. They can explode at any moment, at any moment. And there's some questionable coaching calls, you know, from, from the Phillies, but the Astros are clearly the better team. And it's it's theirs, I think, for the taking it if they want this World Series. Yeah, I couldn't say that better myself. Uh, the Phillies giving it a good fight right now. As we're talking, Rafael Montero, the guy that isn't giving up anything, just entered the game for the Astros. Gosh, they're so good. Um, I hope Philly wins. I hope they do. 88-win team. 88-win team winning the World Series. Um, that's insane. So mm-hmm. they're a team of destiny, kind of like the Braves were last year. So I'm going for them. Hey. Rooting for history, rooting for just a good series like we've been talking about. But um, we'll see how it plays out, whether it ends on Saturday night or Sunday night. Um, We'll keep you guys updated. But we're going to move on over the pond to the Premier League, talking some soccer, some football, depending on where you're from, and match week 14. Um, This one, you know, we're 14 weeks in, 14 games in, um, and the table's sort of wonky. Maybe your predictions weren't. Um, looking at Leicester being in the relegation zone or Arsenal at the top of the league or Liverpool being out of the title race at this point, sitting ninth place uh, behind Fulham by three points. So the Premier League is certainly, uh, like we've talked about, uh, surprising people. It's surprising people all around. Teams are over you know, playing, over doing lots of things. 
Um, and we've seen lots of crazy results. And the most recent one was Liverpool dropping to Leeds two to one at Anfield of all places. This is the first time that Virgil van Dijk has lost at Anfield. A pretty incredible stat. Um, but Brandon, give us the breakdown on what went wrong for Liverpool in this one. Um, back to their poor defending. It's really been the mark on their season. Um, and it's been consistent throughout all of their games, not including Champions League. Um, Rodrigo's gifted a goal off of a horrible back pass from Joe Gomez. I swear Rodrigo's only going to score a goal if it's handed to him on a silver platter, a.k.a. a penalty or a back pass from a defender because um, he's not a goal scorer. But Mo Salah, hello, ghost boy, answers the phone finally and scores 10 minutes later to even at 1-1. Um, and from there, it was just a crazy game. This this was the Premier League, Premier League game back and forth. Um, it was also very even, though. Chances were being created for Leeds. Chances were being cre- created for Liverpool. It was really, really fun. Sort of had the energy of of a Man City-Liverpool game. Yeah, Man City-Liverpool game. Like, it was that entertaining. That much energy was going in. A lot, a lot of fun. Um, I... Oh, I didn't put it on here, but um, Leeds United then score. I think it's in the 89th minute off of a 20-year-old who I don't think he's played much for Leeds this year. I'd never heard of the kid and scored off of like a shin. I think it hit went off of a shin. Well-taken goal. It was weird that the game had ended like that, but I had mentioned this in our last pod. Leeds, they would be up for this game. They could win this game. Not easily, but they would have to go and give a perfect performance and though I don't think it was perfect, they still won on the day 2-1. Um, did you guys catch this game at all? No, but they say their manager's neck. We talked about Jesse Marsh being vulnerable, yeah, being on the chopping block in the eyes of some people. And this may have been the one that let him escape from that guillotine. And so for him, this is a huge game. It's something that they can build off of. This is something that the boys can rally around and say, hey, we just beat one of the most menacing teams in the Premier League the past five years. What's going to stop us from achieving our goals this season? Um, obviously, staying above the relegation line, but hey, maybe it's finishing top half for them. They can put those pieces together, improve upon what they did at Anfield, and maybe make something of their season. Yeah, uh, definitely a much-needed win for Jesse Marsh. Um, it's crazy what uh, you know what it rains, it pours for Liverpool. and. Um, and when you get a, a little break in the rain like Leeds did with this very dramatic win, that's exactly what they need uh, for the confidence moving forward. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if Jesse Marsh, the American boy, can stay up. And and I'll say this, and we've we've talked about this, Cole, I think on the last pod. Leeds have an identity. It's clear. He's been in the job less than a year. So the fact yeah. that it's not fully clicking is okay. They Their team is full of championship players. They didn't make enough signings to really revamp that squad. They're doing the best that I think they can with what they have, and they're doing relatively well. I know they're in the bottom half of the table. They're on 12 points, I believe. Um, they're going to be in and around relegation probably, but they might not be with the way this team can play. Obviously, we saw it against Liverpool. And uh, I do just have to praise Jesse Marsh for, for all that pressure he was under to go get a result away at Anfield is just not many people do that. And so I don't want to overlook that. You know, I, I, that is a crazy result. So claps for Jesse. 
Yeah, and we've talked about this. I don't want, I don't want to belabor the point too much, but Liverpool are going in the wrong direction right now, yeah. um, especially in the Premier League. They've kept their Champions League hopes alive. They've advanced in the round of 16. We'll mention all those things later, but Jurgen Klopp and the boys are fumbling the bag and they are sliding close to the bottom half of the table. And so at this point, has it reached the kind of critical mass point of do they just kind of concede the Premier League season and focus on that Champions League run, a cup run, or where does Liverpool go from here, Brandon? Yeah, I think they've definitely conceded the the league. Um, you know, no nobody in Liverpool is going to say that, but you can see it. They they almost wear it. I think even Anfield wears it. <laughs> like their fans, yeah. like they they just realize like this is not the same team. And um, Mo Salah is a is a shadow of himself. Van Dyke looks not even like a top fifty center back in the world. He looks awful. Um, and yeah, Klopp doesn't really have many answers. They seem to be doing well in the Champions League, um, and that doesn't seem to be an issue for them. But the Premier League, as we know, is the best in the world. It's it's very tasking. Like it's it asks a lot from you, week in, week out. And this Liverpool team is just not up for it. I think they've conceded the league, and they're just going to go after the Champions League heavy this year. Steven, yeah. do you follow that? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Like we're not even. I'm like, yeah, we're not talking about the Prem for them um you're hoping you're hoping top four um yeah and the only solaces you look above you and you have brighton fulham newcastle and chelsea's right down there with you honestly just a little bit ahead of you so this season's already an anomaly it's a world cup year all bets are kind of off um on where finishings are gonna turn out except they're not gonna win the prem also the big problem child for me in this whole thing is Trent alexander arnold uh, is playing himself out of a World Cup. Um, at, he's trying. He's doing his best attempt. They're starting James Milner at right back in winning games. When he's Alexander Arnold's getting subbed every game. Um, he's getting hyper focused on. Uh, other teams are just sprinting at him. He's not. And you look back at tape and film and stuff. Trent's just not defending. We all know that he doesn't defend already. But there, there's something to be said of effort and like late reaction to running into the like just watching players go right past you um that's been a big issue for liverpool fans it's been a big issue for klopp it's been a big issue for the british media um let alone van dyke um and trent's kind of had this criticism in the past to which van dyke it's oh what is this it's crazy like this is so wild to whereas i would suggest maybe a trent like love's kind of getting lost for this guy and depending on how the season finishes i mean he might not be in anfield next year i don't know um change of scenery for change scenery for him change of scenery for the team and whatnot and i think this team will be buying in january um i think liverpool will be buying in january buying defenders um they got nunez up top they did that um for amino honestly has been a godsend for them this season uh Mm-hmm. just seems like the only player on the entire team that's really fighting it for the club the effort that he puts in he might not have the class like that he used to or the finishing all that kind of stuff but he's putting in a shift um but anyways i digress liverpool who knows we're talking about them right now and they could be champions league winners come june so uh for them you got to be focusing on champions league and uh, yeah like just like you said, just stop 
you don't want to walk into Anfield and just feel it. You, you know, don't wear it. Um, mm -hmm. Compete in the Prem, finish as high as you can. Look at Manchester United. They're back in the top four. So it's not all doom and gloom. Finish in the top four. It's going to be City this year. It's going to be either City or Arsenal. So um, it's not that big a deal. It is, but it isn't. It's not a big deal that you're not competing for the title. But you can't just get embarrassed by Nottingham Forest and Leeds back-to-back -back weeks. Yeah. Is Trent Alexander-Arnold in danger of becoming sort of like the next Deli Alley of right-backs where you have a meteoric rise to the national team, you know, become such a popular young player and then fall out of favor and then potentially out of your starting 11 and then to another team? I'll say worse. Uh, Deli Alley had the luxury of there not being 50 million center-attacking midfielders uh, in England. There are, there are so many right-backs uh, for England that Trent has so much competition already as it is. And I mean, you never know what's going through Southgate's head. So I don't, I can't speak for that, but um, I think it's a different situation in that of Deli Alley kind of a, he could play a bunch of different other positions or whatever. Um, but yeah, the short answer is yes. He has the ability to be lost. And again, I'm, I'm curious on this summer transfer window, this next year coming up, if, it's in his best interest for the national team just to go and play somewhere, change positions, maybe, maybe become a winger. Don't be a right back. Don't be a right wing back. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. I think, I think he could definitely shift positions and uh, this is my last point. We can move on, but um, I don't know if you saw, but Chilwell got hurt. Um, the England national team is basically out of right backs. <laughs> really? Trippier is going to have to play left back probably in, Kyle like, Walker hurt. Setson Young's also been rumored to come up as left back now. Yeah. So Southgate might be forced to bring Trent back onto the team for the World Cup. Hey, it's coming so, home, England. Don't worry. His his position is so unique because with Liverpool and such a dominating team, like he almost plays midfield for them. He's not playing, yeah. he's not a defender. He's not. He, even though, he, you know, on the team, she's a right back or right wing back, whatever you want to call him. He's not. He's a midfielder. So it's I think it's it's tough to expect him to play defense like that, even though it's not an excuse, but to play defense like an Aaron Juan Basaka or somebody like you're not going to get that from Trent. But yeah, I think the effort's lacking, and if if he does, if he keeps letting his skill and what he thinks he is go to his head, which he definitely could. Um, yeah, I would just learn from Deli Alley's mistakes and and keep working hard and do your best. I I also think. Trent Alexander-Arnold is still one of the best right right backs in the world. Right backs. Reese James is good to go, right? No. no. I think he did something in his knee earlier this season. Damn. Yeah. No, yep. they're out. He'll he'll get called up. It's gonna be interesting. World Cup is only two weeks away, three weeks away at this point. So the clock is ticking. We're running out of time for these players to get healthy. And there's been a a long list of them that are getting hurt in the Champions League break and recent Premier League games. So we'll be. I'm um, interesting to see who is even fit to play in this Winter World Cup for the first time ever in history. Uh, Brandon had a bad weekend. Newcastle, they thrashed Aston Villa 4-0. Um, <laughs> Callum Wilson potentially looking to squeak his way into the World Cup starting 11 or just even the bench. Um, he's got two goals, and <laughs> Miguel Amaron stays hot. This guy has scored seven goals in seven games. Just incredible. Uh, his goals are not just like you know cheap little ones. They look great. Um, putting him in the corners doing his job so well. He's the hottest man on the planet. Um, I'm sure he'll win the Premier League Player of the Month. 
Um, but Brandon, what went wrong for the villains this time? I only watched about 60 minutes of the game. Um, I was with my family this weekend up in Northern Ohio, but um, yeah, the first half was very even both. It was like a basketball game. Like there would be a long ball and then for somehow Newcastle would be in behind and then bounce back the other way and Villa were in behind about to create chances and maybe score. Um, but Villa did not come out the second half the same team as they they played, you know, as they were the first half. They looked awful. And Newcastle, being the team that they are and they have been all season, created chances, scored them. Like you said, Callum Wilson had two. Gareth Southgate was there that day, and I think he will be taking Callum Wilson to the World Cup, believe it or not. It's crazy to believe. It's crazy to think that Callum Wilson, That's crazy. a lot of English fans rate highly, by the way, very highly, which is interesting, the English bias, but um think he will be the second man in Qatar for England, Um, which I don't know if I agree with that or would want that, but sometimes, especially with a Winter World Cup, you might need to play the hot hand, Um, whether that sees Ivan Toney not make the team, Tammy Abraham not make the team, rest in peace. Um, Neither of them might. Rashford Rashford might be the the third striker. Who knows at this point, right? Who knows what Gareth is going to do? Um, But that's just the talks. And then Miggy, Miggy, Miggy. Man, what a freaking player, dude. <laughs> he might have goal of the year. He, he's definitely the player of the month. I know they're voting right now. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, he's amazing. As for, from a Villa perspective, and I'll stop talking. Thank God Unai Emery is in this week. We play Manchester United this weekend. Thank God he's in figuring out this team and turning this ship around. We're going to be shooting up the table here soon, so get ready for it. I'm very hopeful. Did you see the thing <laughs> like with every like taking so long for him to get his work visa? Yeah, I didn't know why. It it's because of this whole Brexit thing. They literally like he's been there like and he hasn't coached yet. Like they're waiting for his work visa for him to like go to tr- to do trainings, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, he was like officially announced yesterday, yeah. but was has been working with them all week. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's been a weird thing, but he's here now. He's gotten it all settled, so he's here. Strange. Uh, speaking of Miggy, could you imagine spending a hundred million pounds on Jack Grealish and then have him make fun of Miguel Amaron and then Miggy then go become the player of the month? I couldn't imagine doing that. <laughs> I cannot imagine that happening. Uh, but uh, we talked about yeah, Newcastle. They're gonna potentially find themselves in the Champions League spot if they don't stop messing around. People are gonna find out what they're really about coming down soon later. <laughs> so crazy. Um, but Graham Potter, he went back to Brighton to a not so warm welcome. Many people giving him booze and jeering him. Um, and people thought, eh, you know, Graham Potter's got Chelsea. He'll be fine. But really, it, it did not end well for him. Uh, his return home ended by 4-1 walloping by Brighton. Um, and Brighton just came out hot straight out the gates, um, looking way better, looking more like a complete team. Um, and what, Brandon, they – had some good chances within the first five minutes and even getting a goal early on. Yeah. Three chances like immediately in the game, one of them turning into the goal um, within the first five minutes. It, they looked hot. They looked they looked ready, man. They, they, it's like they had something to, to prove and they, they definitely proved it. Um, the second goal comes from an own goal. It was a forced own goal. Um, their third goal, another own goal as well, but it was a, from a great pattern to play. 
Um, and Chelsea did score in the second half in the 48th minute. So right after halftime had some more chances throughout the game, but didn't take them obviously. And a Brighton uh, eventually got their fourth goal in the 92nd minute winning four one. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Yeah. And even with the two own goals, it's still like they deserve the win. They were going to win regardless of the own goals. Um, yeah. Yeah. Brighton, looking like they belong like they aren't going to drop off the face of the earth without Graham potter i mean they've had some weeks now but they've sustained what they accomplished early on this season so at this point you're approaching the midway point in a couple weeks what can you do to encourage the players to continue to fight for that you know european spot i'm sure they can get it done they're gonna have a lot of competition like we just mentioned with newcastle uh, Liverpool, obviously, they're going to want their spot back in those European spots. So it's going to be an amazing season to watch the Premier League. Um, it's only going to get better as we get closer to the end of the season. But it's been fun to see this first half, what these teams are doing to each other, the upsets. The competition really has felt pretty even. The parity in the league is probably at its best point ever. Um, you know, There's not even like a big separation at the top of the table right now. So Brighton doing their part to um, bring everyone together uh cheering against chelsea which you know sometimes it's hot boys can be easy to do but um brandon anything else or steven anything else from this one that we might need to know about brighton moving forward Trossard's good seven goals in the season another one of those guys just popping up playing big for his club world cup year this is just like you said it's the perfect year for the table just to be insane um City losing to Liverpool, a bad Liverpool team. City tying with Newcastle, you know, Leeds beating Liverpool, Chelsea losing. To, it's just all of these, all of these teams have hope, you know, and it's the hope that kills you. But, but it's uh, the Mitrovic goals that puts you in the top half of the table. So it's great. Yeah. I love it. It's fantastic. It's the best. I don't even, I care about Tottenham, but it's just, I've, I've never enjoyed the Premier League more of my life as a neutral I just turn on a game and watch Chelsea versus Nottingham Forest I don't know what's gonna happen yeah <laughs> I mean awesome. Nottingham just took off lit like that's that's amazing um so hopefully there's no like nine nothing games with Southampton this year but um it's been a great year so far yeah Brandon, is there uh, any consolation for you watching the Chelsea game um I see what you're trying to say. Yeah, Chelsea's kits were absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I sent these to Cole um, a couple weeks back when they when they first released them. It's like a it's like a new take on their like sort of they they had these black kits with these orange collars. Was it two years ago? I want to say they're like their mm -hmm. Halloween October spooky kits, but they wore them all year for Champions League. I think um, these are just like an alternate take on that. These like beautiful beige kits. Oh man. I might have to get a Pulisic one to be completely honest. But Oof. before we move on, I know, Cole, you and I have talked about this. And Steve, I just wanted to hear your take on on Newcastle generally. I know we sort of moved on, but Newcastle being in the top four right now, like, are they for real with that? And even even for Brighton, you know, Roberto De Zerbi, since he's come in, they've looked good. They haven't – they just got their first win this weekend against Chelsea. But they've looked good, just couldn't really score goals. And that's sort of been Brighton's – mo over the past couple of years you know they scored four this weekend and they were scoring a lot under um potter before he left like brighton 
and Newcastle. Like, wh- what do you think about them, and what do you think they can do? I guess towards the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I would say the biggest difference between these two teams is probably, I don't know, like eight hundred billion dollars um, <laughs> in ownership. <laughs> no, but these these you know, like you make a good point with uh, Brighton having a good season so far, and they've really been you've been able to see them build on something over the past few years. Um, which is really surprising why they booed Grand Potter. Um, but I think I think it's going to come down to once you get in the dog days of the Premier League, I'm on the Newcastle train because Newcastle is only going to buy. That's, that is like the difference. Like Newcastle, you could see them in January bringing in, you know, Eden Hazard. I don't think it's a good signing. But like some crazy – like no money's off the table for them. Like Weston McKinney or uh, – Yeah, that's true. Like some random play, like you've seen them splash so much money already, and they're just gonna continue to do that with more momentum and more momentum. Um, and again, it's the perfect storm this year for Newcastle to make their ascent to the top half of the table with, again, a broken record player, but World Cup year. Um, all these teams just the way the season has started is just perfect chaos for Newcastle. Um, and I, I fully believe that they will finish in the top four. I mean, I have no reason not to believe it. All these players are playing out there was, yeah, I, I mean, you have Manchester United, the drama with them, Chelsea, Liverpool love Spurs, but Spurs are going to spur. Like, I don't know. You, I mean, why not Newcastle in the top four? They've proven that they've gone toe to toe with Manchester city. They're only going to spend more money. They have Loris Karius as their backup goalkeeper. I don't know what, there is not to like about this team. Uh, yeah. They're also not just throwing money at things. They're building well. No, it's like very yes. strategic. So it's it's not like you have a these Barcelona situation. Yeah, and you have these cornerstone pieces like the Trippier signing, right? Like we just talked about him being yeah. hurt. But how much of an impact has this guy had on this team? When we thought he was – I personally thought he was washed up going to Atletico. Like, okay, he's going to see out his career, kind of be like this weird guy here and there right when he signed for Newcastle last season, like immediate impact. So it's been smart signings. I'm only going to assume they're going to make more smart signings. I think they know their strengths of who they are and who they aren't. Um, and to Brighton, I think Brighton, it's a, it's looking, they could finish in a Europe spot, seventh conference league. I mean, That'd be huge. definitely top half of the table, I think is, is the expectation like for mm-hmm. sure. Um, you know, I think they might drop some points here and there just with, you know, lack of depth and talent. Maybe an injury happens, but they keep selling players and they keep turning out performances. <laughs> I mean, they're probably going to buy at the deadline too. I mean, how much money have they accrued this offseason? Over $100 million. A good amount. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Those are some two really, really fun teams. Fulham is the pretender up there, uh, but I will say that Brighton and Newcastle are legit. Uh, who knows? Maybe Brighton go out and sign Mitrovic. I don't know. Uh, doesn't make any <laughs> sense. But um, I would say Newcastle top four. I That's my hot take. I think probably of the whole pod is Newcastle top four, signed, wow. sealed, delivered. Love okay. It. Thank you. Fair Thank enough. you for that. <laughs> yeah, that was a great discussion on Newcastle. Uh, the Premier League does have some awesome games coming up this weekend. We have Chelsea sitting sixth. They go up against Arsenal, the front runners of the Premier League. Um, that one, like we just mentioned, God. Chelsea coming off that walloping from Brighton. Arsenal still holding like 
they've held off Man City for 14 weeks now. So can yeah, they continue good. to do it against a top <laughs> team like Chelsea? Um, quick predictions yeah. maybe from you guys. What do you think will come on top of this one? It'll move quickly. I think Chelsea will bounce back. Um, I think Arsenal will lose. It'll be their second loss of the year. Um, and Man City will retake first place or will take first place for the first time. Uh, 3-1 Gunners. 3-1 Gunners. Yeah, I think we'll probably see a draw, honestly. I don't see either team really holding a great advantage over the other. Um, so probably like a 1-1 draw, nothing crazy, nothing pretty, but um, both teams needing points to sustain um, their places. And Arsenal obviously will hope that uh, City will drop points sooner or later, that they can kind of extend their league. But for right now, a 1-1 draw will be good. Tottenham, they take on Liverpool. This is a chance for them to prove that they're not pretenders. They've really been sliding recently. They've had to rely on a late, a lot of late goals to get points. Um, Liverpool, though, have shown their vulnerability. So for me, I need Tottenham to really control a game, show that they are the bosses and that they can win games against big teams like Liverpool, despite their standing right now. Uh, Steve, what do you think this one needs to look like? Oh, yeah, we talked about it before the pod of Liverpool's kind of had Tottenham's number the past few years or whatnot. Um, but, you know, when it rains, it pours. And the Tottenham's catching this Liverpool team at the, at the perfect moment. Um, hopefully Sonny gets back on the score sheet. I'll go for... I'll go for like a two nothing Tottenham win. I think. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty confident in our. I'm pretty confident in our defense. We've been leaving it late, but I think I, I trust the pace and the counterattack of Tottenham to uh, to kind of undo Liverpool a little bit at the back. Yeah, well, I think they quick. definitely could. Oh yeah, go ahead. I have some bad news, Stephen. Sonny may or may not be out the next month or two. Oh yeah, the facial um, fracture, you're right. Orbital fracture, yeah. So oh, we will need some help up front. It might be a chance for Brian Hill to potentially get a start. No, thanks. See what he can do in the Premier League, because we're still missing Kulisevsky. Uh, maybe Sessignon starts up on the left wing. Yeah, Lucas Moore and Charleston sound great. For Charleston also still hurt. Um <laughs> God, dude. <laughs> So, I'll say I'll say Spurs love a late goal. Okay, so if I never got my script today, game, if they're gonna win this game, it's gonna be on a late goal for sure. I, Probably this screams Liverpool. This screams draw to me, like just hits me in the face as a draw. I'll say one-one draw for this one. Nah. Oh, we need to win, Tottenham. but <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, Brandon is Unai Emery officially getting his first start against Man United this weekend. Unai Emery will be there at home in Birmingham against Manchester United, the Red Devils. Um, we have beat them. We beat them last year. Um, and we've played them close a lot of times since we've been back in the Premier League. Uh, but I just, I don't know. I don't know what to expect with this game. I'm not even going to give a prediction because I literally have no idea what to expect. Sorry, Ronaldo, my brace. <laughs> yeah. If Ronaldo I hope Ronaldo start, and Harry Maguire start. <laughs> if Ronaldo gets a start, hey. Man U's winning. I'll say that. Um, well, I mean, anything can happen. It's the Premier League. We've seen these teams do crazier things before. Uh, we'll talk about the Champions League. The round of 16 is almost. We haven't gotten the matchups yet. We know who's going to be in and who's going to be out. Um, so we had Group A. We had Napoli and Liverpool. They escaped. Um, Napoli coming out on top of Liverpool. An important note to make. That means Liverpool will be the lower seed when it comes to the draw. 
they can have a harder matchup moving forward. Ajax, they go to Europa League and Rangers finish bottom of the group. Porto and Bruges take Group B over Leverkusen and Atletico. Maybe not the two clubs people would have expected, but Atletico really choked two match days ago, not getting that penalty and extra time, which we talked about that whole debacle. Bayern enter Group they top Group C, which C, Stevens, Dark Horse, get relegated once again to Europa League. Barcelona, my guy. What, guys, I, I do want to lay in on this one real quick. We've talked about doom and gloom for Barcelona and what that might spell for them. Not getting that Champions League money. Uh, this pretty much is the worst thing that could happen to them, right? I'll leave this to Steve. Yes. Well, no. I guess I mean, you could say they could have been bottom, but you could have been bottom, but it's, it's not good. Uh, God forbid you might have to start selling your assets that you don't want to sell. Uh, your Pedris, your Gavis, your Fatis, um, which aren't the guys you want to sell. Those which are, are the guys not you the guys you want to sell, but those are, that's, that's the rumors that I'm seeing out there that it's, it's not good. Um, you know, have the talent, you know, on paper, but they just, don't put it together and you look at this Barcelona from last year I think they made it through the group pretty sure uh maybe not uh, I think it might have been a Europa well, League exit as well they went to Europa League again but it's the same well point point being the same thing what's changed from this Barcelona team to the last Barcelona team well a lot of money spent a lot of players in same results uh pressure is officially on Xavi um and Barcelona, we all know the decisions go way higher than the, just the manager and whatnot, but um, it's not good. And when you're making Champions League, like if they would have made it past this group, like would have been no one's expecting them to do anything in the Champions League. I'll put it this way: no one's expecting them to do anything in the Champions League, but they were expecting them to get out of the group. That was kind of the expectation: get that influx of money. And I think all would have been forgiven if they exited in their knockout stages. Um, but that didn't happen. Maybe if they win La Liga and if they win Europa League, all is forgiven. I don't know how their financial situation. Maybe they'll pull, pull some more levers and no bring in Le- and Leroy Sané and sell their first, firstborn child to, um, <laughs> I don't know who, for, for a striker. Maybe Ronaldinho can come out of retirement. Um but it's it's not looking good for Barcelona. Uh, I struck out on this pick for sure. But, hey, I'll say this. They were top of La Liga just like a week or two ago. So they can bounce back. Um, just won't be bouncing back financially in Champions League, which that's what matters. Yeah, just so you guys know, the financial disparity between Europa League and Champions League is like leagues apart you get like 30 million like 30 million or something close to that for winning the europa league you get like 30 million just to progress to the next round in champions league so just advancing makes you so much more money so they've already lost out on yeah that amount of money and that's if they win europa league so i mean that's a huge financial hit um i mean we've talked about this you guys can check it out on older podcasts but there are no more levers you can't really do a whole lot more. It's going to take something creative, something new beyond that to figure out how to sustain your club. I mean, like they're going to start forcing their players to change their names to like Spotify junior. And yeah, (laughs) like, so the the naming rights like can make more money or something. It'll be the top global top 50 songs will be the, will be all their kids. (laughs) Right. Taylor Swift's new album is going to be on the back of their jerseys. 
it's, yeah, it's going to be bad. And that's the thing. It's just like, I'm saying this now and I hope it's not, I hope it's not right just for the sake of world football, but they just might not exist in 10 years time. Ah, I think they're too big to fail. I still think that I know everything's pointing not to that, but ah, they'll be fine. I don't know. We'll see. Fine. We'll see. Um, in group D Tottenham, they miraculously ended up top of the group. Uh, after lots of controversies the week before they come out in the 95th minute, Pierre Mayo Hoybeard, Scores a great goal, slots it into the post, and Tottenham take it top of the group. Frankfurt finishes second. Sporting go to Europa League, and Marseille, they drop out of European competition completely. This group changed six times within that 90 minutes of all those teams playing. Pretty incredible finish. Chelsea and Milan, they finish out in Group E. Salzburg and Dynamo Zagreb, they finish third and fourth, respectively. Madrid and Leipzig finish first and second in Group F. Shakhtar finish third, and Celtic drop out of European competition. Man City expected to win, and they did. Um, are they on route? Are they en route to a Champions League final this year, guys? They should be. They should be, but I don't think they will be. <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah. they will. I think it's the story of old best team. That's why we love Champions League. I don't think they're going to get it done. Fair enough. Um, and yeah, Sevilla, they finished third there in Europa. Copenhagen's out. Benfica first. PSG second because PSG was time-wasting. Benfica go and score their like six goals a game. They finished top of the group, which is huge news for PSG. They'll have to have a big opponent to play. Juventus, once again, they drop out of the Champions God. League and the Europa League. And Maccabi Hafei, um, they drop out of European competition. So that's how the groups finished. That was a lot, real kind of quick run-through of it. But biggest shockers on who's through or who's out um, from you guys. We talked about Barcelona, but anything else that stands out to you guys? Yeah, I'll, I'll give my points first. I think Napoli winning Group A, um, no one saw Napoli doing this. I think if you would have were to bet money before, then you probably would have said Liverpool Ajax. Um, but Napoli doing it in in beautiful fashion too. I mean, they didn't just win the league or win win their um, group group. They won their group, if you know what I mean. They wow, they're very fun. I would like to see them keep it up uh when we go into the knockout stages um my my dark horse enter you know sort of knocked out steven's dark horse <laughs> in, oh. in, group, in group c <laughs> um but, so we'll see what they can do so that's just sort of fun i want to throw that in there but i do think um the porto bruges you know porto's always been in it and always been in the mix but club bruges i've said this on a previous podcast they they sort of find talent and mold them and create them and sort of sell them on that's sort of their their mo and their engine but to to make it to the knockout stage in champions league are you kidding me and not only that but removing leverkusen and atletico madrid that is crazy i know steve you want to talk about this but atletico madrid not making europa league they're out of champions league and europa league at the bottom of group b wow those that's probably the one that stands out to me the most and benfica winning um that the last group so it's crazy yeah atletico not being in it and i think right now in la liga they sit like out of the top five uh but you know diego simeone is jesus christ to the fans and the ownership of atletico like literally um so I think he's fine, which is so weird. But that's that's huge. I mean, this guy, like, Barcelona's in Europa League. And if it weren't for all the financial implications, like, 
yeah, it's it's subpar for Barcelona, but Atletico Madrid, like, come on, like Simeone has not gotten it done in Europe. He's he's we won the league like three four years ago, La Liga, but this is the highest paid coach in in two years ago in world football. Like in world football, he has paid the most, and wow. you yeah. have to look at it and go, why? Is it because he like jumps and fist pumps on the sideline <laughs> and like talks trash to opponent like players or something like i don't Go i don't this like i don't get it like he wins la liga cool right awesome but he's not going to finals semifinals of the champions league like you know he makes fun of ronaldo when he's back at juventus right and then gets knocked out so uh i don't know that's a big one for me maybe they'll start to I don't know, smell the roses over in uh, Atletico Madrid. Um, yeah, Napoli finishing top, same thing. Tottenham, dude. Tottenham had the easiest group out of Champions League, and they almost found themselves not advancing. Like, we got, we like, and the Hoybier goal was great. It was on a counterattack. It was, like, 3v1. And then it, it went from, like, open play to a very impressive, difficult finish and a great goal. But Tottenham, dude, like, I don't know. I'm curious. You know, Brandon, you said semifinals for the Spurs uh, to start the year. You know, I just don't know what this team's going to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we look so bad for, like, 60 minutes um, to where if we went up against a Bayern Munich, I don't think I would turn the TV on uh, in the draw. But luckily, we finished first, so we won't. Um but yeah, I would say Atletico missing out the whole Barcelona thing. Juventus, that's another one actually. Juventus is Allegri out. Yeah, Allegri like rumors with McKinney being sold. I kind of touched on McKinney's actually rumored to Tottenham. Um, that's been a rumor in the past too. But mm-hmm. like Juventus, it this is a team that is going to finish probably outside, maybe potentially outside of Champions League this year in Serie A. They are not looking good. This is not good for Juventus either. They're not in financial crisis like Barcelona, but for the old lady, this is not up to standard um, for for that club right now. So I'm actually curious of what they do in the transfer market come January and if Allegri is even going to be in charge by then. So, who would Pochettino's first signing be at Juventus, Steven? Oh my God, uh, <laughs> probably Deli Alley, dude. He'd probably get sacked in six months. <laughs> yeah, no, I think Juventus has got to be a big one. Just. They are just not the team that anyone expected them to be. They've not looked. I mean, I see it on Reddit. Reddit that people call Allegri a football terrorist. Um, he just <laughs> does not play beautiful football. Him and, him and Mourinho are those two people that are tagging that. Um, but yeah, it's just That's like funny. what is what is going on in Turin? It's not pretty. It's you know they're just dragging and dragging and dragging and not playing good football at all. But Tottenham at the end of the day, for me, is the one that I just keep my eye on because they are getting the job done and it's, yeah. you know, they have a lot of injuries. Um, it's, you know, taking away some of that creative ability, but again, they got the job done in the group. They're going to hope for a good run of 16 draw and potentially come back healthy after the world cup and yep. see what they can do. Maybe that's part of the plan with Conte. I don't know. Um, but for me, I'm at least optimistic that we got the job done now and we can move forward after the world cup. But, um, that's the Champions League. If I'm missing anything, let me know real quick. But if not, we're going to hop back for the last time over the pond to the United States for MLS Cup final. 
it is here. We gave predictions and kit reviews all the way back in February, I think, at this point. That was our first episode of the Badge Fan. We've now reached the MLS <laughs> Cup final, and it's between LAFC hosting the Philadelphia Union, the one seed, and the one seed meeting for the first time since 2005. Guys, this is a really, really big matchup. You have the Community Shield winners in LAFC, um, not even a year after they fired their head coach. Union, a year from being removed from missing out on MLS Cup because NYCFC last year. Um, these two teams have looked great. This might be one of the best MLS Cup finals in history. Um, what do you guys want to see from this one? Who do you want to see come out on top, Brandon? I've I've said I wanted the Union to win. Uh, I sort of thought it would be both both of these teams to, to meet each other, and it's sort of rare, especially in tournament play, that you get the one seeds to play each other in the final. But it's here. It's real. Both of these teams are great. Um, I did not expect LAFC to beat Austin. Was it three nothing? Yeah. Jeez. Um, so it, it shows you that they're real and they're in form. Um, Philadelphia even won. Shoot. What was the, was it three, three, one, one against NYC. Three, one. Yeah. yeah. And it was all, all just like back to back to back in the second half. It was amazing. I watched that game. Um, I, I still think Union can win it. Definitely. They, they have the team to do it. They're resilient and I'll stick with the Union, but it could definitely be the best MLS final yet. Yeah. I, uh, this has been a long time coming for Philadelphia and as much of a pain in the side they've been for Atlanta United. I, I kind of hope, I guess this might be the year for Philly. Last year was the year for Atlanta and Georgia sports. Maybe this year for the world series for the Phillies and MLS. Um, but Eagles yeah, are also they, the right now in the NFL. Yeah. On, uh, yeah. That's, that's also true. Um, Philadelphia has the second best goal differential in MLS history uh, at 46. Um, a lot of goals scored. 72 goals scored, 26 goals against. They've scored the third most goals in MLS history. Um, they can score goals, and they don't let up a lot of goals. Um, they're the favorite. LAFC kind of limped in, honestly. Um little bit towards the end there uh in the western conference but then they picked it up in the playoffs beating the galaxy 3-2 then austin 3-0 i hope philly wins it uh i just hope it's a great game la can win it too honestly that'd be cool um gareth bale banger um he's not even playing for them i know dude he just warms the bench he warms the bench for the guys that make like he'll score two against the u.s in in the world cup don't worry yeah probably (laughs) Uh, it's going to be a great matchup. I can't wait for it. I hope it's like an MLS thriller four to three. That'd yeah, be awesome. Be. I, I want to see like at least six goals. Uh, so that'd be awesome. Andre Blake has had an awesome year this year. I mean, he's That's true. One, I think goalkeeper of the year, probably at this point. Um, he's, he's going to be the one to watch in this game. He will be the deciding factor if he, um, can sustain what he's done all season and bring it one last time. I think the union will come on top, but LFC are really good at scoring goals. Um, and they'll be at home. Albeit, I don't know if their fans will even be able to make it. If they'll even have any parking for them um, with LA just being absurd. Um, more of a joke, but now I'm excited. LFC kind of being that team that came in with the United, one of the kind of new boys in the block, but it really feels like union deserve this union have had a really great team for the past couple of years. Is it Jim yeah. Curtin? 
Um, Great coach. He's really done an, an amazing job just, you know, building up that culture and union. I mean, that crowd was amazing in that conference final against New York. Um, they were rocking. I mean, you just see like the passion that they have for their club is what MLS teams strive to be like. Um, and LAFC is not so different. Steve, Steve Trundolo has done a great job this season coming off of, you know, a disappointing last couple of years, LAFC having high expectations, really, you know, good players like Vela and Rossi and all these different guys. He finally gets it done in his first year of coaching. So yeah. he didn't even have super high expectations as a coach, but then they go and win the supporter shield. This is really um, an impressive matchup for both teams, which um, I think union's more deserving. I think I want LAFC to win, but at the end of the day, endless wins when we have matchups like this, as they can continue to hope to see the league grow. Um, hopefully it gets the reception it deserves because it's a one V one. That's what you kind of dream of. It's what you want to see come from it. But um, we'll let you guys know as bad fans what happens with the World Series, the MLS Cup, the Premier League, Champions League. Of course, the World Cup is coming out. We can't wait to cover all those things as they come through in November and December. Uh, so continue to please support things like those uh, MLS, Premier League, and baseball, whatever it is. Um, we'd love to have you guys like the video, comment, um, because that wraps things up today on The Bad Fan. And we want you guys to be updated every time we post. Click the bell below this video. It'll let you know when we post on YouTube and things like Spotify if you're on there as well. If you liked it, uh, leave a like. Steven, he was back. Brandon was here and I was here. And so look, the whole gang, we love when the whole gang is together on the Bad Fan Podcast. But I've been Cole Carter. They've been Brandon Pacenick and Steven Curl. We'll see you guys all on the next one. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy all the sports that are happening. It's a great time to be a sports fan. Until then, peace out.